0: This is an Area Code podcast. This is All Alone, a podcast about life during a pandemic. The following entries were recorded the week of May
1: 10th. This is Anja Maria in Germany and today is Wednesday, May 13th. I guess there's two versions of my typical work day. One is when my husband um, works as well. So he has shortened hours, um, which means that some days he does not work and then he sleeps in and that means that I can sleep in a little longer as well. And then he stays at home. And I go to work and come back and that sort of thing. So that's that's one version. And I guess there's, there's even like a third version because our son is back to school, but only every other week. So our routines are really short. Um, so there's also a version where either um, my husband and my stepson are at home together, or my husband is at home, but my stepson is not, or the other way around. So I guess there's multiple versions. But when my husband is working, the alarm goes off just after 5 in the morning. So we get up fairly early. Um, And then, yeah, he gets ready, I get ready, and then our son gets ready. Um, We have one bathroom we all share And uh, I go to work, and usually my workday starts at 7 in the morning, and I usually are at work till 4 p.m. That depends on the day, really. Sometimes I skip out earlier than that, and I try to do that more often just because (laughs) I try to actually stay within the hours I actually get paid for. But it never quite works out that way so I often stay on um, for like zoom conferences and all that and they often are in the evening so four to six or even later Um, so sometimes my workday is even longer and then also um, because I have flexible flexible, uh, work hours sometimes I do some you know family organizing during the day So I usually have fairly long days, 7 to 4, something like that. And then I come home and we try to have some family time. Um, And it's usually in the kitchen. Uh, Our favorite room has always been the kitchen. Like this is the heart of our apartment. We have a small apartment that has a kitchen and a bathroom. And then we have our bedroom and Nathaniel's um, bedroom and one more room that doubles as an office space and uh, a living room. So the kitchen is really the center of where we all congregate. We have a round table where we sit in the middle of the kitchen and I can, you know, put around, cook and and do stuff while uh, my husband and son are also in that same space. And uh, it has like this little um, deck attached to it. And since this pandemic started, we have put more and more flowers into that little balcony space. So it's a really sweet green spot and we just like to stand there and look at the flowers and talk to each other. So I usually uh, cook dinner and my husband and stepson run around me, tell me about their day, that sort of thing. And then we eat together and if we are up to it, uh, we watch a movie together. But these days we often just uh, retreat into our own corners and then the day usually ends around 10 because... The alarm goes off again so early in the morning so our day is usually like quarter past five to ten at night
0: this is jenna from redlands california a typical work day just looks like me going to my living room and i have a special chair papasan chair it's really comfortable and i work on my work laptop and i have it connected to my tv as a second monitor So it's a really great little workstation and it's completely separate and I don't really use it for anything else. So that's a good way to just focus throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, I turn in my list of everything I've done that day and it's over. I have a pretty casual office anyway. And so I've been wearing just pretty normal things, maybe not like, you know, graphic t-shirts or something, but just like a nice top. and. I do wear shorts because nobody can really see that you're not wearing a skirt or pants or whatever, and it's super, super hot here, it's like triple digits so um, already in May. So um, my relationship with my coworkers is basically gone, like all the people that I was seeing all the time face to face and having those coincidental conversations of like, hey, what's going on in your life? Like, let's go on a walk or let's have lunch or whatever. All those are dead. And so um, I, you know, I've tried to stay connected more, but since we're seeing each other through the group video chats, it's a lot harder to just have chit chat kind of talk that ends up being the things that build deep relationships. So I've tried to kind of do chatting, just like text chat with some coworkers when something funny comes up or, you know, have something to gripe about or whatever.
1: What's something kind that you have done to someone since quarantine began? I don't know. If it's kind, but I know we've donated a lot. We are in a lucky position that I work full time on a full pay, and my husband has shortened hours, but none of us lost their jobs. So we felt very blessed, and in the first couple of weeks (laughs) we basically gave away um, uh, a month's worth of money to friends we felt could make better use of it um, than we did and we like going to concerts and a lot of concerts have been postponed to next year and I I'm not a big fan of crowds, so I don't like to go to the big venues. But there's one smaller place we go to fairly regularly. And of course, they're struggling to survive right now. So we didn't ask for our money back for the concerts we had already booked for this year. And we even donated uh, to them. So hopefully they'll make it through this crisis and are able to like open again once, you know, hopefully... The virus is under control.
0: I have not had contact with many people to do anything kind for specific people. I do call up my friend Victoria if I'm going to our co-worker's house to pick up some oranges. He has an orange grove that's kind of hard to explain if you don't live in Southern California. In his backyard, he has a bunch of trees. And there are most of them are citrus trees. And that's just kind of a normal thing here that people grow a lot of citrus just for fun. And so he has all these oranges and usually he would bring them into the office, but since he can't do that anymore, he's calling, he's having people come over and pick them up individually to social distance. And so whenever I go over there, I'll call up my friend Victoria and say, Hey, I'm going to Colin's house. You want to go get some plants or, you know, go get some citrus or go by Home Depot or go to Lowe's or whatever. So I'm just thinking of other people, if I'm going to go out and just be like, you know what, we, neither of us have seen another human being in several weeks so it's, it's good to at least have one contact that you can be in the car with. What scares you about the pandemic? I'm scared that it's just not going to end and we as Americans are just going to get bored. And we're going to decide it's over, which we kind of are already, is that like, oh, people are just being ridiculous or the only people who die from it are people who are going to die anyway because they were already like fatally ill, I had that on a video chat tonight with my family is that it's like, oh, the only people who die from it are people who had terminal cancer. And it's like, that's it's not even close to being true. So I think that a lot of people want to make themselves feel better. And I, I don't want the people that I know and love to have to experience it firsthand for them to understand how serious it is. So I'm just really worried that, you know, like people say all the time, if you don't want to go out, then you don't have to. And that's not true at all because I have social anxiety and I have to go out and do things all the time when I don't want to go out and do things. Like I have to in order to survive. It's not true that if you just don't want to leave your house, you don't have to. Like That has never been true. And it's just such a place of privilege and ableism that people say, oh, just open everything back up and whoever doesn't feel comfortable can stay at home and whoever wants to get out can keep the rest of the world running like nothing ever happened they're seeing like the the problem is that the fire alarms are going off not the problem is that the house is on fire and so like turning off the fire alarm doesn't stop the house from being on fire and i think that's kind of where we are in america is that we just don't want the alarms to sound anymore and we're tired of how loud they are so we'll just turn them off and it will be fine and therefore we will no longer be on fire
1: in the beginning I guess we weren't so scared of catching the virus ourselves or even if we did of it being really bad because we are all fairly young and fit and we don't have any conditions that uh, would put us into like the the category of being susceptible uh, to that uh, virus but what scared us was just going to the doctors going to hospitals in this time of pandemic so my husband had a, a broken hand and we had to go to the hospital for that <clears throat> several times for it to be operated on and stuff and it's just the idea of having to go into a space where we could threaten other people and they could threaten us. And luckily, this was the only time so far that we had to go... um, to the hospital but I was really scared of that and I have two friends um, that were pregnant during that time and that was just a thought that scared me a lot because these women nowadays have to go through it on their own, their husbands sometimes they can accompany them but sometimes they're asked not to come with them so they're on their own and they're also in the space where they might catch the virus and now that we reopened parts of I guess normal life there's a lot higher concentration of people in town again people are congregating in in in, in places like schools again I guess we would have felt more secure if this shutdown had taken longer even though we understand that for others it's unbearable but we actually felt more secure in isolation. Yeah. I, for Hope, um,
0: I've been part of Kate Buller's Life Together project, Life Together Apart. And today was about hope versus optimism. And if you don't know Kate Buller, she is a scholar who researches the prosperity gospel. And one of the main things in the prosperity gospel is this relentless positivity and forced optimism that if you believe all the good things in the world, good things will come back to you. And if you don't proclaim badness, you won't have any badness. But if you proclaim negativity over your life, like you admit that you're sick or you admit that something's wrong and you name it, then you've, you've just condemned yourself to it. Like you've claimed it and this whole name it and claim it thing is really harmful because what we actually know from emotions research is that you have to name emotions like shame or disappointment or grief in order to heal from them. There's a difference between hope versus optimism. And whereas optimism is an act of denial, really shouldn't say it that way, but it is, hope is actually more truthful. Hope tells you that yes, you can acknowledge that they're suffering today. And you can answer honestly when someone says, how are you? But hope is also rooted that that's not all there is to the story. It's not all just, you know, not all suffering is this grand cosmic lesson to make us a better person and the moral of the story and the hero's journey and things like that. Sometimes things just happen and we can choose to learn from them. But that's not the reason that those that pain was given to us. But hope means that we don't have to be nihilistic about that. Because we know that there's more to the story, that we can acknowledge our suffering, but that's not all there is. One thing that I do feel hopeful about in the season is just maybe that we've learned some ways we can adapt because there were always people who were physically and mentally unable to get out of their houses. That we can keep up these things for accessibility, like video streaming churches And putting more protections in place for germs and viruses um, and keeping up the hygiene practices, keeping up the option to work remotely, continuing to contact our friends that live far away from us. Because I have had a lot of contact with people who wouldn't have bothered to contact me had they not also been stuck at home alone. So... Anyway, I don't mean to sound bitter, but I'm just saying that there are good things about it, and I hope that we will keep those in mind to protect the vulnerable among us, not just from this virus, but
1: from everything that we have to go through in life. Well, I think humans are really resilient. Like, we've gone through so much already. Like, I'm always amazed. We're just a sack of blood and bones. Um, so, a human body is really breakable, right? At the same time, we can withstand so much. and So that's just something amazing, I guess, about who we are. About God's creatures anyway, I guess. That at the same time, we're, we're this small, insignificant, vulnerable race of humans. And at the same time, we've done so much, like look at what we've built, so there's so much amazing stuff that, that I can see and that I guess gives me hope that we've withstood storms before and I guess with, God, uh, with God's help we'll weather uh, this storm as well.
0: All Alone is created and hosted by me, Morgan Lee. It's produced by Sarah Cameron, Nick Thompson, Richard Clark, and myself. All Alone is a useful group podcast. For more information or to join, please send us an email at coronavirusdiaries at gmail.com. To stay updated on this project, follow us on social media. We're at All Pod on Instagram and Twitter.